May the words that I speak and the thoughts of all our hearts bring glory to God in the name of Christ as we are transforming, as we are transformed by the life-giving spirit. Amen. The differences between the story that you heard uh, in the children's clip, which is from Mark and Luke, and um, today's reading are for another time. That the irony of where we find ourselves today in John's Gospel is that having restored Lazarus to life as a declaration that Jesus was the resurrection and the life, Jesus now finds himself with the modern-day equivalent of a warrant out for his arrest. And Lazarus's life is also in danger. When the chief priests and Pharisees recognised their power was diminishing because many Jewish people were believing in Jesus as the Messiah, they convened a meeting of their council. And as we pick up the story today, they are already planning to put Jesus to death. So as a result, there was some doubt that Jesus would even go up to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover since the chief priests and Pharisees had already given orders that if anyone knew where Jesus was, they should let the authorities know and they would arrest him. So when Jesus has dinner in the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, as lovely as it sounds, he's not exactly on a weekend off. Kicking back and relaxing with his friends, and basking in his increasing popularity and enjoying the generous hospitality of his hosts. Yet amidst all the turmoil surrounding this dinner in a village just outside Jerusalem, something extraordinary took place. So extraordinary that we're still talking about it many centuries later. Mary took a large amount of exorbitantly expensive perfume, anointed Jesus' feet with it, and wiped it with her hair. My response as I read this story, how tender. How very tender. Such an intuitive act of tenderness and of devotion. Just on a year ago, Brad and I went to LA to meet our baby granddaughter. It was great timing, as it turned out, as we arrived home the day before quarantining became mandatory and the world's borders began to close. During our stay in LA, we went to a restaurant for lunch. The baby was asleep when we arrived and the young person, the young man who saw us to our seats looked in the pram and simply said, how tender, with an American accent. How tender. It was just right, a perfect description of this vulnerable, beautiful, tiny human being lovingly cared for in a world that was about to change in unimaginable ways. I tried to imagine a young Australian person, maybe one of my students from last year at Coomera Anglican College using that same expression and decided tender isn't a word that we tend to use in that way. We tend to use it more when it refers to food. But what was your response when you heard today's reading? Some commentators describe Mary's actions as extravagant love. 
Others point out that it was actually scandalous. It cost Mary not only the value of the perfume to anoint Jesus' feet with her hair, um, and then to wipe his feet with her hair, her reputation was at stake. To have her hair out in mixed company was not something that a Jewish woman of good repute would normally do. It cost Mary a lot. Over the last two weeks, Stuart has focused on a particular word from the reading for the day as a way of helping us to unpack the passage that we're looking at. The word around which today's passage pivots is anoint. Mary doesn't wash or care for Jesus' feet in some way, as Jesus is very soon to do when he washes the feet of the disciples in keeping with ritual cleansing and common hospitality. No, Mary anoints Jesus' feet with expensive perfume that Jesus suggests that she's been keeping for the day of his burial. So in the previous chapter of John, Jesus' death is predicted, and now in this story, Jesus' burial is anticipated. In the Bible, what is anointing and who is responsible Anointing was the process of applying oil to a person for religious ritual or simply for everyday purposes, like enhancing one's appearance. Most Old Testament occurrences of anointing represent some kind of transition, a change in identity or status that linked the anointed person with God, with the presence of God. References to ritual anointing in the Old Testament are mainly connected with a person being designated as king. Anointing established a special relationship between the king and God. The consecration of priests and the reintegration of a person with leprosy back into the community were also marked by anointing. The Hebrew word for the anointed one is Mashiach, or in English, we've anglicised that to Messiah. And the standard Greek translation for Mashiach is Christos, Christ. So Jesus, Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One. Mary anoints Jesus as a prophet would anoint a king. Immediately following this story... what we've heard today in verses 1 to 11 of chapter 12, comes the story that we'll hear on Palm Sunday in four weeks' time when the crowd is gathering. We read, They hear that Jesus is coming to Jerusalem, and they shout, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus, the servant king, who came to serve and not to be served. All of this anticipates Jesus' final act of extraordinary love on behalf of all people, on behalf of the people who were devoted to him, like Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and for people like Judas, who stole from, dishonoured and betrayed Jesus. John's gospel is a gospel of great contrasts, light and darkness, life and death, good and evil. These are contrasts that are consistent with real life, with our lives, 
In this passage, the actions of Mary and Judas are in stark contrast to one another. Mary's act of tender devotion holds great significance as she has anointed Jesus as king, while what appears to be sensible pragmatism on Judas's part is revealed by Jesus as nothing more than callous self-interest. So apparently it's no secret that Judas is stealing from the collective purse, so accepting a hefty bribe to reveal who Jesus is to the soldiers who will shortly arrest him is entirely consistent with his mercenary behaviour here. And yet, you know what? Judas still has a place at the table with Jesus as one of his disciples on the very night on which he betrays Jesus. Well, maybe Jesus ha Judas had a point, though, you might be thinking. I mean, 300 denarii was a lot of money. It was about a year's worth of wages for a labourer. Think of what it could do for the poor. It could do a lot, leaving aside Judas's self-managed bonus fund for a moment. Jesus' comment that the poor will always be with you seems oddly dismissive of Jesus. It kind of grates a bit, doesn't it? And yet it is entirely consistent with other things that we read in the Jewish scriptures. So Mary's act of anointing Jesus designated him as Messiah, King. It was also anointing him in anticipation of his burial. It was a holy act. It was different. It rattled Judas's sense of what was sensible and practical and compromised his personal gain. On one of our Lenten walks in Rabina Common last week, we came across the word holy. Holy means different more than it means good. Holiness requires that we become untangled from the web of expectations and normality so that we can be shaped by God. One of the third century desert fathers, those people that went out into the desert to be still and to be with God, said, a time is coming when people will go insane. And when they see someone who is not insane, they will attack that person saying, you are crazy, you are not like us. Mary's anointing of Jesus made her the object of ridicule. Can you think of a time when you encountered someone or someone's actions that were holy in the sense that they were different from the selfish conformity of the surrounding culture? God's holiness is characterized by God's goodness, God's love, God's compassion, God's provision, God's faithfulness. God's forgiveness. We are to be holy as God is holy. We are to act differently, to be light in the world even when others are working out their plans under cover of darkness. Jesus' commandment for us all made it quite clear how we are to live into the holiness to which we are called. Love God with your heart, soul, mind and strength. And love your neighbour as yourself. Be yourself. Fully human. Fully alive. Fully devoted to God in whose image you are made. And for whom Jesus has given of himself as the resurrection and the life. What are the tender acts of devotion 
those holy acts of love with which we might anoint those we encounter in our lives in ways that honour their true worth, their dignity as people for whom Jesus is the resurrection and the life. I'm going to ask that again. What are the tender acts of devotion with which we might anoint those we encounter in our lives in ways that honour their true worth and dignity as people for whom Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Such acts require vulnerability. They require being ourselves even when we're judged by those who might look on and mock. Think about Martha's place in the story today. As she serves dinner in Jesus' honour, we could say of her, how tender, how holy, how different, an act of gracious hospitality surrounded by imminent danger. And perhaps an act of gratitude for restoring Lazarus to their midst. As a new member of the ministry team in this parish, I feel at the moment I'm looking at things with fresh eyes and I'm privileged to experience such holy encounters every day. Someone on our team was approached this week by a person who's been a long-term resident in a local health facility. They're in need of some particular items of clothing. Our team member simply listened carefully and then arranged to pick up the items from the op shop and have them back here ready for the next day. Someone struggling with their own dignity was anointed with dignity by the holy act of loving. I also see those who serve in the op shops quietly ministering to people in holy ways, along with those who serve in our garden and flower arranging ministries with our children and our young people, with our community groups and our playgroup, in music ministry, in coffee ministry, those who lead Bible studies, along with all the many gracious and generous encounters that happen day to day in our community. Our AGM yesterday and reading the annual report made me even more aware of the holy and self-sacrificing ways in which people on our ministry team have served this community over the last year so that we can continue to be church with opportunities to serve in this location and beyond. Last week, Stuart placed the focus of Lazarus being restored to life on bringing glory to God. He made the point very clearly and with great insight that God is not glorified in the miracle only. God is glorified in the full gamut of authentic human experience, in pain and joy, in grief and in restoration. And again today in this deeply theological and yet deeply human slice of John's gospel, we see people serving as their authentic human self and bringing glory to God. Martha through hospitality, Mary through her profound act of tender devotion that intuitively glimpsed the journey that lay ahead for Jesus. Mary's act of anointing was different because it was a tender, controversial, holy act in a chaotic time. We are not called to be sensible only, although being sensible is really important, especially when we're planning ahead. We are called to love. It is acts of love that bring glory to God. While Mary's devotion has been told through the centuries, any act of love that brings glory to God brings glory to God because through it, we are expressing the holiness 
of a loving God and the love of a holy God lavished on us through the one anointed to be king. King not of the proud, but of the humble. King not of the rational, but of the generous. And king not of the self-serving, the self-focused, but the outwardly serving. Lent is a season that calls us not to know more, but to act more lovingly, to open up space within ourselves for God to fill. Lent is an invitation to love more with mind and heart and hands. Someone has said that for lots of Christians, the most challenging journey that we take is traveling the distance between our head and our heart, taking what we know and living it out in ways that bring glory to God as we acknowledge the place of Christ in our lives by the way that we love and serve others. So let us continue our Lenten journey together as people who honour the one anointed to be king, living as holy people, different people, who dare to love in extraordinary ways. Amen.